Hi and welcome everybody to the B2B Marketing Guidebook Podcast. As usually, my name is Uwe Seebach and I'm more than happy to be your host. Today I'm honored and more than delighted to be joined by a person whose name does ring many bells. I'm joined by Waldemar Pferch. Waldemar Pferch, author of many highly recognized and best-selling books in the duck region, in the marketing region, and of course, he's also famous as a best buddy of Philip Kotler, the marketing legend. Welcome, Waldemar, on our podcast. Happy to have you. How are you? I'm fine. Thank you, uh, Uwe, for having me in your famous podcast. Thanks for your nice words about our podcasts and thanks for being on the show. Valdemar, as you are aware, we normally start with a little introduction about my guests in our little coffee talks. Now, I know with Valdemar first, it's like a little bit caring calls to Newcastle because uh, the majority of the people will be aware who is Valdemar first. But as we have a global community and a growing community, please still give everybody the chance to be in the picture what kind of a caliber you are and where you're coming from, Valdemar. Well, when you look at the last uh, 40 years of my B2B presence, um, I started out... Um, uh, in industries. I worked for Siemens for almost 10 years in various positions, starting in the factory, um, moving to uh, sales and marketing, uh, going to strategy, strategy and corporate development, and ending up uh, finally in um, automation in Atlanta. Oh, wow. Um, <laughs> well, I left Siemens in the US for consulting and worked another 10 years in consulting. First with my own consulting company in Chicago, and then I joined Arthur Anderson and finally uh, LEK in Munich. And um, I've helped companies all around the world, particularly in B2B, to apply uh, this kind of uh, principles in organization and marketing. Then I moved into uh, teaching and research. And for the last 20 years, I was professor for international business at the Fortune Business School. I had uh, some stinges in Chicago at the uh, um, UIC, University of Illinois at Chicago. I had three years at the CIBS in Shanghai and always caring about B2B companies. There are many colleagues out there who do B2C marketing. But uh, there are only roughly 20 professors around the world who focus on B2B. I'm one of them. And we are so happy and honored that you are on the show and you are on the show because you are one of the, I think, highly recognized authors for many years with Springer Publishing. And Springer, our dear Mahagonka, brought us together. And this is why we have a, 
a preface, an introductory article from your site, Valdemar, on our B2B marketing guidebook. Thank you so much for taking the time to do that. For all our authors, it's a great honor and pleasure, and I only like to share our gratitude for doing that. Tell me, in regard to the B2B marketing area, you have in this in the scene or with the scene so many years. What do you think about the current situation? What are the reasons? Or how do you anticipate these changes? Have you expected these changes? You recently published a book on human to human. Where are we coming from and where are we going towards, Valdemar? Well, we have, as you just mentioned, reached a very specific stage. The uh, Corona crisis really led us to the uh, essentials of uh, marketing. And uh, the B2B companies had to catch up uh, quite uh, a long way. And uh, when I go back in my history, um, I actually was one of the few first people who introduced marketing to the Siemens Corporation. I remember the projects in 1984-85. There was no marketing at Siemens. Nobody could spell the word marketing. They had great sales organizations. Actually, there was a German phrase where they had Kunde droht mit Auftrag. I mean, <laughs> if, if a customer is asking us with a contract, with a deal, okay. But now yes. I know where they were saying from. They couldn't even spell marketing. That's from you. That's your famous saying, maybe. I was always wondering <laughs> where I got it from. <laughs> Uh, now I <laughs> no, but it's it's true. It's true. There was no need for doing marketing in the German environment uh, because all the products which were produced were sold before they left the factory. Uh, but this changed in the 80s when the uh, Japanese companies uh, entered the German market. And of course, the Japanese came with small motorcycles and uh, uh, transistor radios, but they also introduced a couple of years later machinery equipment and automation. Fanuc in the uh, CNC controls area, just to mention one company, um, and they made life very different. And then when you look at the developments in the 90s and in 2000s, the GE was actually one of the first companies who took B2B marketing and B2B branding to a higher level. Uh, Jack Welch and did not only look at the stock market uh, development as one of his key drivers of, of guidance, he also looked at the appearance of his brand. And he was one of the first B2B guys who really understood the magnitude of impact brands have to the market, the customers, and of course, to the employees. period also companies like Intel approached the market and uh, I personally was a competitor for Siemens in Intel. Siemens was also in the processor market and Intel actually um, conceptualized the B2B2Z concept and out of that they wiped out uh, processing companies like IBM, uh, Motorola, 
many more. I mean, Texas Instruments uh, and uh, even Siemens moved out of the business because the marketing concept of ingredient branding was so strong. So that was in the 2000s. And then uh, in uh, after 2005, most of the smaller B2B companies understood the importance of marketing and branding. And when you look at the um, in the brand brand index, you, they, we still have 20 uh, B2B brand uh, B2B companies in the uh, top hundreds, and they have all really applied all the principles. Out of that, the first book with Phil Kotler um, appeared the B2B brand management, and it actually changed many ways of doing business. And I'm pretty happy that this applied, and I'm pretty happy that the benefits of this concept are actually seeable in many companies today. Knowing from where we are coming, what do you think about the future? Will there be a really change in mindset? Because we are talking in different articles in the B2B marketing guidebook about a, a paradigm shift. Might it be driven externally or intrinsically? But then Jeremy Rifkin, the famous economist, proclaims and pretends that the stoicism of the management is a real barrier in many companies in the conventional industries will be disruptive because the top managers are not changing, not willing to change, to adapt to the new normal. How do you see the future, Valdemar, in the area of B2B? When we talk about new normal, we talk about the um, time after the corona pandemic. And I think we have to put the, con the corona pandemic in perspective because one of the big changes in this phase which we have now is the digitalization and the digitalization started many years ago if i go back in my own history i sold rfid chips to the borders port authorities of los angeles in 1986 and this automated the port but today we are automating individual processes today we are automating actually the whole value chain and that impact really brought a complete new focus. We can do everything automatic, but at the end of the day, it's actually the human which is affected. And the human wants something better than they had yesterday, and they don't want a, a destroyed environment, they don't want a hassle in their own life, they want a pleasure, and they want to have a great future. So. B2B companies have to provide that. They can actually provide that if they have the right mindset. And companies who understand the changes and consider digitalization as a very important part, they can actually change their offerings. And we see it. I mean, uh, the competition of Google and the other uh, digitalized companies are enormous. Amazon is changing the world, how products are delivered. Amazon business is actually entering the B2B market in a speed nobody else has ever entered, and companies have to react. So if you don't react, you have no choice. I'll give you one example. 
I mean, Wirt, you know Wirt from Künzelsau, yes, one of these uh, yeah. famous German company. They are in heavy competition with uh, um, Amazon Business. They are actually, Amazon Business is doing the same, except Wirt has a much higher competitive advantage. Wirt can deliver within 19 minutes at every place in Germany. That's a competitive advantage. And if they are close to their customers, they know what the customer wants and uh, they don't have to wait 24 hours or two days for Amazon delivery. Of course, Amazon can deliver cheaper, but if you know the customer better, if you can deliver faster, if you can deliver more specific, if you make the life of the employees of your customer easier, you will be in business in the future. Valdemar, you brought to the table another more than uh, understandable, reasonable proof of concept for B2B market and the urgency of management to change. Now, you also mentioned that since the 90s, we're doing RFID chips and digitization automation is not really something new, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But obviously, we have an issue because the reality has not yet arrived in the minds of the leaders, the managers, because I've, I think... 80 or 90% of the industrial companies in B2B and their top executives are not yet in the in that stage to really be aware of the enormous potentials of an automated technical marketing and sales, speaking about B2B marketing. So what do we have to do aside bringing a book to the market with all the concepts in order to show them, the people, what we have to do or to show the benefits? What went wrong? I wouldn't say something went wrong. I would say some people are slow and that slowness may kill them. Let me give you an example of heavy construction. Heavy construction is heavy metal. I mean, it's big amount of earth has to be moved or whatever, or digging or whatever. And you need really solid engineering to make this happen. But If you don't apply digitalization, if you don't have the GPS for leveling the ground, if you don't have the interconnectivity between the machinery and the tools, if you don't have continuous supervision of your um, employees on the machine, on the drivers, you're not top of the line. And companies who do not provide that have to face competition. And the competition does not come from America anymore. The competition comes from China. And these guys, the Sanis and uh, whoever you want to name here, XCML, they are on the path and they're waiting to enter the European markets. Of course, we have set up our standards, Euro 6D for diesel engines, right? And uh, you can keep um, certain competitors for a certain while out of the market, but uh, it's only a question of time. And therefore, innovation and continuous adapting to the needs is necessary. Normally, the B2B companies do that all the time, but the speed ad adaptation increased so much in the last five years. And by the way, 
the business in China is booming now. We are minus 8% in Europe probably in 2020. China will be a plus three. So there's a difference of uh, 11 percentage point. And that difference will leave us in 2021 with a different set of competitors. And uh, actually, this is the time to innovate. It's time to innovate. What a great message at the end of the first part of my coffee talk with famous Waldemar Pörsch, the best friend of Phil Kotler, highly recognized marketing thought leader. If you want to learn what this means for technical sales that we are at the time of a paradigm shift, then don't miss to join in for the second part, Little Coffee Talk with Waldemar Perch on the B2B Marketing Guidebook Podcast. My name is Uwe Seebacher and I'm again always more than happy to be your host. Just make sure you stay negative and think positive. Goodbye.